Hey everybody, welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, Monday rundown on a Sunday today. Thanks to Will for coming out and filling in on Friday, but Sean is back with us now. So he had a couple excuses for his hiatus, but he is back nonetheless. Jumped right in, talked about college football, talked about the two abysmal games. We previewed the final, and then we went over what we think we could make better about the college football playoffs. After that, jumped into some NBA, talked about some Lakers trade potential, especially with John Wall being out. Went around the league after that. Next, we jumped into college basketball. We talked about um, the conference play that just began last night and what we thought of college basketball so far. And finally, we did a little Yankee talk, basically praying that Manny Machado will be in a Yankees jersey. So enjoy this one. We will be back on Wednesday with an NFL playoff extravaganza. And I'm sorry for the no intro music, but it's the holidays and get over it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. It's Sean. I'm back from my sabbatical. Uh, everybody had their fun at my expense the other night. Uh, listen, sometimes life happens, car issues, family stuff, whatever. Or rehab. It is going to, it is what it is. No, it was not rehab. And I want everybody to get that out of their minds. You said that too many times, dude. When people were probably like, this guy's a fucking coke addict, like whatever. We like, already knew that. We didn't. Uh, no, it was, a, it was a tough week. Uh, holidays are tough anyway, but it is what it is. We're back. Tom, how was your Christmas, man? I haven't seen you in like two weeks. It was nice. It was nice to, you know, not have to go to work or anything. I had a good time. Some family. Will was there. Um, Will did a good job on your pot on our pod the other day, man. He was a great fill-in. Yeah, Will didn't yell into the mic, and that was nice. It was a softer voice. My ears didn't hurt after it. Maybe you um, should turn your volume down. No, I, I think we're good the way we are. It's just you can't <laughs> scream into the mic. I know... That you're coming off the whatever, maybe they give you a little Narcan there, I don't know. Usually that's just for your overdose, but I don't know what they did to you. The amount of times you've screamed into the mic about your sperm bank and all this other nonsense. I do it it when it's funny and when it's needed. I know when it's needed. I have time. You're just screaming about, (laughs) Will was great. No, Will Will did do a good good job. job, And uh, thanks to him for that. And there's been some clamorings about me getting rid of you, but we'll we'll save that for another day. I certainly know that's not the case. It's good to be back, and everybody knows uh, they're happy to have me back. But anyway, let's jump into our regular Monday rundown. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve, so we're not going to do it tomorrow. Um, We're going to do it tonight on Sunday as Week 17 unfolds, and obviously Wednesday is going to be a jam-packed NFL podcast. Yeah, not much to talk about after Will and I just did one on Friday, but. There was two games uh, played, what, yesterday? I'm glad you got the schedule right this time. Yes, they are always played in the same day, back-to-back. So Notre Dame laid an egg against Clemson uh, at the 4 o'clock start. And I'm going to tell you one thing, dude. Honestly, the the college football playoff needs to shake things up after this semifinal. Notre Dame had no business being on the field. I mean, that was pretty much validated when they played Alabama when the BCS was still the land of the law uh, last week, or uh, I'm sorry, a couple of years ago. And then this week, honestly, it, it was the same. I mean, they don't have the athletes that Clemson has, and it's really not even close. Yeah, and maybe that would push them to recruit a little bit better if they're not getting They can't, these... though. They're not going to get those athletes. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what head coaches get where. I mean, these coaches last forever, and we'll see if they move around a little bit. Uh, I mean, we weren't saying this about Clemson 10 years ago, were we? No, but Clemson has always recruited. I mean, they get the athletes. The The question has pretty much been, though, you know, when they were they were kind of second tier to Florida State when Florida State was great. And then Dabo Sweeney and Clemson kind of took over. Well, that's my point exactly is Dabo Sweeney took over. But that's still in the ACC. Coaches move around and programs get built up. Yeah, but you see the problem. We weren't saying how great Georgia was. No, but the thing is, is if you look back at the history of Georgia, they've had a lot of ridiculous athletes. Notre Dame has never had the athletes that have stood up to, you know, an Alabama, an Ohio State, a Florida, really in decades. And you saw it in this case with Michigan, too, man. I mean, Michigan got dismantled by Florida yesterday, and Florida was not a great team in the SEC, but you saw the disparity between the two when it came to just athletic talent on the field. So getting back to this first semifinal game, Trevor Lawrence lit it up. Uh, They were faster. They were stronger. They were better coached. And Notre Dame really never stood a chance. It was 30-3. to And honestly, man, it felt like a 60-3 to game. It really never... Notre Dame never gave you a sense that they were in that game. And it really makes you question 
Are they going to go to eight teams? Do they have to reconsider who's going to be in? Because you and I both agreed when the selection came out as for the four teams that were going to play in the semifinal, if you're looking at best teams, Georgia was one of the four best teams. And Georgia would have given Clemson much more of a fight than Notre Dame did. Georgia could have won that game. And, And I think that we spoke about it, Will and I spoke about it again, I think that they need to do something and move it to eight. It's not like college basketball where you could play every two days or every day, but something needs to be changed where they need to move it to eight. Well, one thing to your conversation that you guys had the other day, which which was really good, but you know something that I was thinking about as you guys were discussing it, it was, listen, college football and college basketball are just different sports. You can't compare the two. Their playoff systems are going to be different. You're never going to have a 64-team playoff you know, in college football that you do in college basketball. It, you can't play you know, two games in three, in three days. It's just not going to happen. But what you can do is you can analyze better what the teams are, who they've played, and kind of get rid of the politics. And if you want to keep the politics, make the pool bigger. Now, I don't think it would be any different if you made it eight teams. I still think Alabama and Clemson were the two best teams. But put your five at-large teams in, which we discussed, what was it, a couple weeks ago when when the committee decided on their four teams. You take your SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and Pac-12 winners. Then you take two at-large bids, so Notre Dame would still get in, and then you'd probably take a Georgia. They were the best out of any team that didn't make it, and then or that didn't win their conference, rather. And then you can throw in a UCF and at least give them a chance. And if they get their doors blown off by Alabama, it is what it is, but at least you gave them a chance. And maybe yeah, now— Yeah, and then we don't have to hear about how they should have been in, right, at the least. Right, and, and you know the best they can do is continue to, to play at the level they have. You know, Unfortunately for them, they lost their quarterback to that— gruesome injury and and they might lose their bowl game but even if they win you know you still say when you look at them do they belong on the same field as Alabama or Clemson no and when you watch Notre Dame they won a couple top 25 games and they were a really good team overall but again I think the country overreacted to Michigan I never thought Michigan was a great team they beat up on a lot of inferior competition in a weak big 10 and that was Notre Dame's signature win. You know, Northwestern played in the Big Ten championship game, but they weren't great, and Ohio State pretty much took care of them without much effort. It's hard to say, yeah, you know, how, I mean, how good Notre Dame really was. But and, and, you know, I hate the NCAA as much as the next guy going back for as long as I can remember, but... Just to defend them a little bit here, we hated the BCS a thousand times more than we hate this. This is a system that's in process. They're moving in the right direction, and I just got to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, they're going to retool it, and maybe they'll take away one of those BS regular season games at the beginning of the year. Well, I don't think they're BS. I I don't think they're BS because you got to remember is just like in college basketball, a lot of these teams schedule games years in advance. Well, my thing is this. Get rid of one game on the schedule every single year just for every team across the board so those really good teams have the exact same amount of games under their belt. One's just another playoff round. Well, I think the problem is is that you you can't have it both ways. You can't say that every league has a, you know, conference championship game and then you know, take value away from the conference champion. You know, last year, as you know, I'm an Alabama fan. If Alabama doesn't even play in the conference championship game, they shouldn't, in a four-team playoff, have the right to play in it, no matter how dominant they are. But when you look at the body of work, you say, okay, that is still one of the four best teams. Their only loss was a road game, rivalry game, to a top 15 team at the time in, in Auburn. But Auburn got destroyed by Georgia in the SEC championship game. Therefore, that should diminish Alabama a little bit. But when they're looking, when the committee's looking at the teams, they're saying there's no way Alabama's not a top, not a top four team. Well, then they can't have their cake and eat it too, and not That's put Georgia in there this year. That's what I'm saying. But my point is just get rid of one of those BS games where Alabama wins sixty-three to seven. But you got to remember, a lot of those games though is they're scheduled for all the teams, and and it makes money for that school. So you can't tell you can't tell Northern Colorado that they're not able to schedule a game with a big team if that's the only way they're going to get national exposure, even if it's them by losing by forty five. Well, I mean, we see it in college basketball every year. 
you know, before the in between, you know, those. Well, again, there you go comparing two things that you can't compare. I'm trying to cut down on the games because there needs to be another another four teams added to this playoff. And in college basketball, you can play back to back nights. They don't really do it in college basketball like they do the NBA. Yeah, but even though you you still do get games on that schedule, though, because when you're deciding who's going to be ranked what when it comes time for March, is you're going to say, okay, North Carolina finished. Let's say thirty and three. Well, two of those games were against you know Savannah State and maybe you know Northern Florida. But the only reason they're on those schedules is because those two teams need to get national exposure, and they're paying to have those games played. So I'm in agreement it, with you, but then you can't again. You're comparing sports that you've already claimed we can't compare. So well, I'm compa- I'm comparing in the in the grand scheme of things. When you, I'm saying essentially, when you're looking at those two. It's very hard to judge who who deserves what. Those games don't really matter, and they shouldn't be judged. I'm saying if you're they just do looking matter at over- when it comes to the justification of all right, well they can't we we can only I don't play think this those, many games. No, I don't think those games matter as much though. I think what they're looking at is just overall record, and they're throwing out whoever the opponent is. If North Carolina in college basketball finishes thirty and three, they're not going to necessarily look at who they played out of conference in those week games. They're going to look at who they beat in conference. No, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about the fact that one of the arguments for not going to eight teams is the fact that they don't want to add another game to the schedule. And the only way they're going to be able to do it is to get rid of one of those cupcake games because they're not going to get rid of a conference See, the game. way I look at it isn't that way at all, dude. Honestly, I think what they do is they don't value they don't value the conference championship games enough. I don't think those games are really what what's going to differentiate between a team that makes it or not. I think what they're looking at is the conference championships, and you can't – what I'm saying is, is if you're going to have conference championship games, you have to value those games. I'm in agreement with you, but if you're adding an 18 playoff bracket, you have to add another, another, bra- another round – the bracket. Where are they going to fit that in there when the NCAA says this is too many games to schedule? No, that's no, no, my no, no, point. No, 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 no. So what you would have here is you play the same amount of regular set, regular season games. So this year is a perfect example, right? So you would have your at large wins. They're your top five in whatever order of of uh, record they are. You have your SEC winner, your ACC winner. You have your Big 12 winner, your Big 10 winner, and your Pac-12 winner. Then you take your at-large bits. Then you I ta- understand all right? of this. And then you take I'm, UC, I'm and then you, you would probably take UCF or whoever was in a non-Power you know, Power 5 conference that had the best record and played the most competitive schedule, which would be a UCF. I mean, the American do- did have a couple teams that finished within the top 25. So that's where you would take that. I don't think you have to add or diminish any amount of games based off the regular season schedule. I just think what you're going to do then... I'm not talking about the regular season. I'm saying it's an eight-team playoff. You have to add another round to the playoff, and they're not going to want to add another game is what I'm saying. Yeah, they, they will. If you have to, If they you will. think that they will, then that they'll completely go to January defeats 14th. my argument. But that's all to, I've been trying to say the entire time. They'll go, to Janu- they'll go to January 14th. If you think that that can happen, then then that's what it is. But the, but what I've been hearing is the counter argument to that is they don't want to add another game in there. But see, that's which what is they my said argument the to B- get rid of the cupcake game. Yeah, but they would say that to the B- they were saying that in the BCS era, and then they added one more and it was no big deal. I don't think they'll ever go more than eight, dude. Because at that point, you're taking the quote unquote student athlete, which we both know is bull, you know, completely BS. But they're gonna they're gonna say, okay, we can't ask these guys to play. 15 games a year. That's fine. But if you add one more, especially then you could also work it in where one of the team, you know, the top two seeds maybe get a bye and then you're not playing, you know, something like that. I don't think the beginning of the schedule matters that much. I don't think they really value what Alabama does to a Citadel or a Northern Colorado. I wasn't talking about it in in terms of the value of the game. I was just talking about it as As keeping the games the same, keeping the amount of games played the same. And tossing the least important game to the wind. So what do you think right now? Okay, so you're you're discussing that as a possible scenario and solution to the current system. We both are in agreement that you should have an eight-team playoff, and that's probably the cap, right? Like mm-hmm. you would agree that that's probably the best and solution. And it starts getting a little crazy. Right. So if you were, you know, the chairman or commissioner of the, of the college football playoff, and you looked at the landscape. What would your what would your decision be after watching what unfolded this night? We didn't even talk about the Alabama Oklahoma game yet. We'll get into that. But what after analyzing these two games on a Saturday, it was, it was supposed to be your sports, 
you know, golden day. You isolate all other sports away from these two games, and none of them were really that competitive. If but you we were, knew, if you, but the craziest thing is we knew that was coming. Like, we were saying that three weeks ago. Right, so what would, as, as just a guy that does sports talk, you know, you and I are in agreement. We know that. So what would your solution be now to that? If you were in, if you were in the chairperson's spot today, Sunday, with the national championship coming up at Alabama-Clemson, which we kind of knew was a foregone conclusion, what would you say, okay, something has to be done because we cannot allow for these games to be this lopsided and clearly the disparity in, in, um, in talent was exponential. Well, aside from making an NC AAA <laughs> and just putting, you know, a Division 1A and then a Division 1B and putting 15 teams in the Division 1A where it's Oregon, um, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, and, and so on and so forth, the blue chips, I guess you would say, and then letting everybody else play for another national championship. Aside from doing that, which is kind of crazy and kind of out there, but I've also been having those thoughts where other people these have guys, too. You're 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 fair. You yeah. let these guys beat up on each other, and they're going to get the best recruits. But then that gives all the other 15 teams in that NCAA 1A a chance to get them too. Aside from doing that, I think that the idea of having a five-team automatic bid—you win your conference, you're in. Although, who would really? Who won the? Who won the the Pac-12 this year? Was it Washington, Washington. State or Washington. Washington? Do we really want to see Washington in? No, but it's like some teams. Is Iona? Are they really deserving of being in the tournament every single year? No, but they win the MAC, so they're in. Right. You win your. That's a reward for for winning your conference championship, and then you put the three best teams in. Whether it, let's say, it was like this year. I mean, Alabama won the SEC championship, correct? Yeah. Let's oh, just say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say that. Let's say Georgia gets in, and let's say we think that. Florida is another is an, even though they weren't they looked like it against Michigan they're another best team well we're picking the best three teams here out of the rest I think that's honestly the only way you can do it in a sport so physical like football with these people that aren't even getting paid to go put their their bodies on the line right and and we've already seen I think one of the biggest issues and we didn't see this as much in the BCS era although I think it, it's just a change now in the way that scouting is and the way that players value themselves over their team and their university is you're seeing a lot of guys not play in their bowl game because unless it's a college football playoff semifinal they don't see the value in it. Well yeah and that echoes exactly what I said on the pod with Will yesterday. I don't I'm not a college football fan because I'm not going to be a fraud and pick pick one of the top 15 teams like I said but I'm also not going to root for Syracuse or Rutgers because we live in the metropolitan area because I don't want to watch losing football right bottom line and it's the same thing for the players players it's like okay my season's over my draft stocks here it's not going to go any higher by playing in this bowl game and it doesn't matter so why am I going to play yeah it's hard I mean uh, like when listening to you guys talk about that I, I certainly understood I mean you know I started rooting for Bama a long time ago but if I had just started rooting for him now it would certainly kind of be a crock of crap, right? Like you're you're looking at them and say, listen, it's not even that fun. I mean, they're not one of my top four teams even that I root for. But, you know, you look at the NBA landscape and it's kind of, you know, not necessarily the same thing, but there's also an issue where you look at the Knicks and Nets and you're saying, yeah, I really like what they're doing, but the the drop-off from the Golden State Warriors yeah, to them a, is so different. But now, there's the a playoff, massive difference. Of course. First of all, there's eight seeds in the playoffs, and the Knicks and the Nets probably, maybe the Nets, but definitely not the Knicks aren't even going to sniff the playoffs this year right but the massive difference that overhangs is the fact that it's cyclical in the nba the warriors aren't going to be good forever people are going to need more money people are going to retire alabama will be good until nick saban retires and you know what's dies, funny whatever. is that's what because it's recruitment but you that, can get imagine if the yankees got every free agent right. and it didn't cost and them that's, any and money that, and that's the funny thing too is to to continue off that point is people have been saying that honestly since the 1940s you know every Every conference has had their opportunity to shine. You know, for for a long time, the Big Ten was by far the best conference. You had Joe Paterno at Penn State. You had Bo Schembechler at freaking Michigan. And you had, um, excuse me for the name, uh, uh, Woody Hayes at Ohio State. And by far, the Big Ten was the best conference in college football for years. Now, of course, then you had your Bear Bryant era at Alabama 
you had um, before that he was at Texas A&M when you had your big five that was all the Texas schools um, or the Southwest Conference rather and it, it does go through phases we even saw it in the mid 2000s I mean the SEC at the time with the exception of Florida really wasn't good no and then you so, had the Pac-12 so then, with USC then you, and then, yeah and then you get a Nick Saban and then you get a Les Miles and then they become the cream of the crop and, and it is cyclical still now the, the it lasts longer in college but you see, I mean, just to get back to this college football playoff, the best athletes time and time and time again are going to the SEC and going to Clemson and going to where Urban Meyer's coaching at Ohio State. I, I'm very interested to see what Ohio State's going to be now that Urban Meyer's leaving that program. I want to well, see if they get the same kind be... of recruits. I don't think he's going to be the AD, but there was an announcement that he's going to be something He's staying else. with the program, uh, but he's still not the head coach, and that's still going to make a decision because he's not the head recruiter. Um, so I want to see what Ryan Day can do. Now, finally, now that you guys have bore with us through that whole conversation, which I think is very valid. And I don't think, to, to wrap that up, I don't think there's a right answer. For no, it. I don't think there is either, man. And honestly, you know, it's not a perfect system. And even if they expand to eight teams, it's never going to be a perfect system. It's a different sport than college basketball. Part of what makes us love college basketball. And we're complaining about bubble teams every year. They could make it 150 teams in the NCAA tournament. I was just going to say, when we get to and March... One feels like they should have been in. When we get to March, we're going to talk about a couple teams that we really felt should have made it and the committee turned down or forced them to play in those two, you know, play-in games prior to the tournament. And, and that's, you know, where we're going to be. It's never going to be a perfect system. There's too many schools or too many universities. The sports are so different. But when you do want to try to make comparisons, because I think in a, in a nutshell there are some – it's just never going to be a perfect system. You're going to have to ride, or you're going to have to ride out with it, and you're going to have to hope that the committee or whoever's in charge of, you know, making the decision to put the teams in, are going to put the four to eight best teams in. I think the way that you and I described it, putting those five power te- you know, at large teams in, take your next two, maybe your independent or your top two conference teams that didn't win the conference championships. I think Notre Dame was in, deserving you know, to be in this year. I did as too, an, but they weren't one of the seed. four best teams. No, yet. no, no, exactly. No, not at all. Exactly. So let's get to that Alabama Oklahoma game. That was the nightcap. Oklahoma ended up falling to Alabama 45 to 34. It never felt that close. Alabama was up 21 nothing at in the first quarter. They scored I know their it first was three against, drives. I know it was against a Big 12 defense and I watched the majority of this game. Probably one of the only college football games I watched a hell of a lot of. But man, too is good. He had more touchdowns than incompletions. He's he's insane. <laughs> His passes were just so crisp. The pass he made to the kid, I don't know what number he is, number 7, maybe number 7, I don't it know. It was Judy. Uh, he, in the back of a, the end zone? No, it was a deep ball, and the guy didn't score a touchdown, but he was from Miami, the, the wide receiver. Literally, just I, he just stuck his hands out, and it landed right in his hands mm-hmm. with two defenders on him on a deep ball. It was insane. He is, I think, the best. And I, I said this to a couple people after watching that game. I said, he's the best college quarterback prospect since Cam Newton, and I think he might even be better than that. Now, he has to play another year before he's eligible to come in, out into the NFL draft. But watching him, and I know Oklahoma's certainly not a top defense by any stretch of the imagination, but he's done this to SEC defenses all year, and he did this to Georgia last year coming in in the second half of that national title game. Dude, he, he makes every throw on the field, the short passes, the intermediate routes, and the deep ball. Everything is essentially perfect. He's every mobile. throws giving his guys the room to run. He's leading his guys, putting them in positions where they're not going to get hit. Or, or drilled after they catch the ball. Every throw is exactly pinpoint where it needs to be. Yep. Nothing's behind the guy. Nothing's erratic. You're not watching Lamar Jackson out here where the guy's got a cannon, but he has to throw it up and the wide receiver's got to jump into two safeties that are going to sandwich him. Everything gives the guy the opportunity to make a play, which Alabama's obviously the best at right after the catch. Yeah. and the Whether rem- it be a wheel route or whether it be a deep ball. Right, and remember, this was his first game back after having that ankle surgery. He said he felt almost 100%. He certainly looked like it. Now, here's my question to you. Now, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy, and and deservedly so, the way the regular season ended up. We both talked about that on our pod to finish off the conference championship games. We acknowledge that over and above 
you know, that Murray was deserved of that champ of that title and the trophy. However, if you push that back, did this game make you think otherwise? No, because I just thought that Alabama was the best team in the world and That's that Oklahoma fair. had a great quarterback and not much else. Even That's their fair. skill position players didn't look that great. No, and I think again, man, you know, not to not to continue to uh, to beat a dead horse, but to to talk about that, the discrepancy in talent and athleticism. These two teams are professional football teams. I say it every week. Yeah. Clemson and Alabama are are, are basically probably you know the worst the worst two teams in the NFL. Maybe they could beat the Arizona Cardinals on any given day, and the rest of the teams are college football teams that the Arizona Cardinals would beat by forty. Right. Period. I mean, the talent on this team is a bunch of first, second, and third rounders. The talent on NFL teams is usually a bunch of first, second, and third rounders. It's crazy, and the rest of the talent in college football is maybe one or two first rounders if you're a top fifty team. If that, and then everybody else is either going to do their day job after college or, you know, undrafted free agents or playing wherever. I don't know where else. Canada or whatever. Yeah, you can. Hey, listen, man. Montreal team's really good. Yeah, Um, Johnny Mizzo. No, but I couldn't have said that better myself, man. Honestly, you're 100% right. And and that is kind of what college football apparently acknowledges and wants to see for the national championship. Now, remember, Alabama and Clemson met in the semis last year. This game's going to be a lot better than what we saw last night. That's for sure. And I think it's going to be better than what we saw when the two teams played last year because Trevor Lawrence is a lot better than Kelly Bryant. And Tua Tagovailoa is a lot better than Jalen Hurts. So, remember, neither of those two guys played when they met last year. It was Jalen against Kelly Bryant. And Bama's defense and their running game just dismantled Clemson. Clemson didn't seem like they were able to generate much of an offensive attack against that Alabama defense. Now you're going to have Trevor Lawrence, who just shredded Notre Dame yesterday. I heard you guys on the pod on Friday say that potentially the moment's too big for him. Obviously, that was Clearly not the not. case. We were wrong. Yeah, but you know what? It was a fair assessment. You never know how those guys are going to play. I think it's just in college football, athleticism wins out. Trevor Lawrence is a lot better and the receivers are a lot more talented than anybody they're facing in the secondary of Notre Dame. And they were able to go to work and score 30 points effortlessly. And I think come January 7th at 8.30 p.m. that we're going to have a hell of a game. And if it's anything like Alabama-Clemson in the in 2016 and 17, and then Alabama-Georgia last year, we're in for a show because we'll it's going to be a really good worth. game. Mm-hmm. You wait all year to actually watch a game that matters, and I get one college football game a year that actually matters. Yeah, and, and you're not going to be shortchanged. Um, so it, it's going to be something to look forward to. We know it's finally coming. Um, don't worry, dude. Your college football year is almost over until you get to talk my about draft fo- prospects. My college football year hasn't even begun. It's one day. <laughs> and it's a championship game i got to give you credit, though. I gotta give you credit. I stuck around. You stuck around for a year. And I know what year. I'm talking about. I predicted Trevor Lawrence starting. Yeah, Come it's on. not Tyler Lawrence. It's Trevor Lawrence. I said Trevor Lawrence. I know. On the pot, you said Tyler. Well, whatever. Times, I was okay. right regardless. You got the last name right, and at least you knew who you were talking about. So I give you credit. It's not your thing, but you you stuck through it, and you're almost in the clear. We're gonna have a great national championship. With that game. being said, Sean and I are announcing our new soccer segment next week. Oh, you have to break the news now. No, we'll we'll save it for later. Oh, it's gonna be just for kicks. That's what it's gonna be called. Yeah, but just uh, <laughs> just just for uh, just to close it in, I think Alabama probably wins this game coming up by six. I haven't looked at the spread. I think they opened as a touchdown favorite with an extra point. I'm not a hundred percent sure. That it's defense is better than anything they face this year, though. That's the thing. I don't think Alabama's defense is that good, which no, is no, why no, no, I thought no. Oklahoma I'm saying would Clemson's score. defense oh. is better thing than better thing than Alabama's face this year. With that pressure totally that they agree. generate Dude, they I'd return, be really they interested return. to see. They're going to be hitting to a low on his ankle. We'll see. They returned every single starter from that D-line last year, mm-hmm. and they have about three first-rounders on that defensive line alone. So I think they're going to. I think Alabama. And you're shortchanging Alabama's defense. It's not a classic Alabama defense. It's a much more. No, offensive I'm not shortchanging team. it. But I'm nonetheless, it's yeah. still an Alabama defense. Yeah, it's still really good. The only question I would say is looking at that game. Yes, the they two can games get yesterday, burnt though. Their corners can get burnt. They can. I mean. Dabo coached a perfect game, and that team was perfectly disciplined and really, really perfect on both sides of the ball. Alabama didn't play a clean game. They had a lot of penalties. Saban broke his freaking headset in the second quarter after they were up by 24 points because they were committing false starts off the, you know, completely 
ill-advised. And, and you can't do that when you're face Clemson. You can no. maybe do it when you face Oklahoma. Anyway, we're going to segue next and talk about some NBA. You guys had a really good conversation on Friday night. You and Will did. I know you just talked about it, but I'm going to force your hand again. Because you're an NBA guy. You love your NBA, and I respect the NBA. And because of you, you've gotten me more into the NBA. Well, you're welcome. So um, we're going to discuss a couple NBA notes. Now, I wasn't able to discuss it with you, but the LeBron injury happened on Christmas night. He's out a couple of games he showed up with wine the other night to yeah. the game. Seemed like he was just trying to live his best life. Good for him. Good for him. I got no problems with it. Um, regardless of how much he, how much time he misses, whether it's a couple games or a week or so, who cares? Um, we feel pretty good about them. I think the biggest piece of news out of Laker camp is now Rajon Rondo's out for a month, and he yeah, basically that was mentioned on the he basically well, yep. yeah, and he basically won that game for them when LeBron came out. So what did you take away from that injury? What are you looking at time frame wise? And do they go out and get a guy to fill his spot? Well, you had already mentioned the time frame. And listen, with these injuries, whenever I think they said a three week injury, I personally tack on two weeks extra. So I'm saying a five week injury. That's just me. Inevitably, it just seems like every single time that there's these injuries that, it, that you just tack on two more weeks. So when they're fully healthy and playing like themselves, it's really tough because Rondo sets up that offense. He's teaching Lonzo Ball how to be like that, and he's a dog defensively, and he gets that team going defensively you think the on the perimeter. Miss him? I really think the Pelicans miss him being 14th out of 15th in the Western Conference this year. They really should have given him a little bit more of a bag to uh, sign him back if they want to have any chance of keeping Anthony Davis. But you know, th- this I think that the Lakers are gonna are in for a little bit of a tailspin, and maybe LeBron James comes back a little uh, or a little earlier from from injury than he should. But he's LeBron; he's basically a robot. They just didn't have the part in stock that they needed to add to him back to him. So <laughs> it's on back order, but he'll be fine. I think the Lakers are fine. They're still a top four seed in my eyes. Yeah, I, I agree with this, you. Kuzma has taken a huge step forward. Lonzo as well is playing incredibly. He had that great behind the back play that went viral. Mm-hmm. The only guy, and Hart is going to knock down threes and he's going to play great defense. The only guy that I'm worried about, I think they need to trade Caldwell Pope. I don't think he's built for this team. I don't think, although he's a clutch sports athlete, he's a LeBron James guy. They need to trade Caldwell Pope. <laughs> he hasn't been a LeBron James guy since they started playing together. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the other guy who's a little more significant is Brandon Ingram. So you guys, the guy just looks. He looks like he can't get himself into a rhythm. When he's shooting, it's hitting either the back of the rim or the front of the rim. It's line drives. His jump shot looks flat. He doesn't look like he can get into a rhythm, and he's used to having the ball in his hands for for twenty or, or eighteen seconds out of the shot clock. And you're not going to do that with LeBron. No, you and Will had a good conversation discussing possible moves that the Lakers could make, and you guys did bring up. I believe it was yourself brought up Anthony Davis. Um, I know you also got you also talked about Dame Willard, but I think Anthony Davis is the biggest part because you know there's been skepticism over the last couple of weeks that basically people within the NBA know it's a foregone conclusion whether it happens yeah. at the trade deadline I'm in the summer so or next trade deadline. The, it's like you go on. I, I sometimes I just want to turn off Bleacher Report, but it's the quickest way to get sports news. I don't want to hear that LeBron James uh, liked an Anthony Davis fan page and that, oh my God, LeBron James said Anthony Davis looked cute in his pants today. (laughs) So the next thing you know, there's rumors, oh, you think the Lakers will get him by next week. Everybody relax. When the when Woj breaks it and the real rumors come out, I'll get excited. I can't listen to this shit anymore. These guys are friends. The next thing you know, you're going to be hearing, oh, my God, LeBron uh, tweeted at Bradley Beal and said, nice jump shot. I, I heard they're sleeping together. Yeah. Like, I, I'm tired Separate of bets. it. Separate bets. No, 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 no. Same no. bed. Same bed. Okay. Same bed. But After a couple of those glasses of wine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but I, I, can't, I can't take this shit anymore. Like, the... NBA Twitter is just a different world out there. Yeah, but. but you know what it is? Is it feeds off of all of our impulses as fans because we know I guess know I don't that, have those same impulses. No, but a lot of us do, and, and and we can't help ourselves from talking about it regular, even if it's November. I mean, let's talk about this, right? You have, a, you have a top five player in the NBA in Anthony Davis. He plays for a team that is doing all they can to try to keep that team in its city. That's New Orleans. New Orleans isn't really a basketball city. But they're doing their best to try to keep him. If they trade Anthony Davis, even if it's for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and two first-round lottery picks, 
protected, it doesn't matter. You're still trading a top five player. You're probably going to Seattle at right, that point. Right, exactly. So they don't have any reason to trade him yet. He's not a free agent this summer. He's a free think, agent in 2020. I don't think they're going to trade him. They're going to do all that they can to keep him, and maybe a move to Seattle is what keeps him on that in that franchise, I guess. At that point, they'd yeah. be a completely different team. Yeah, but certainly wouldn't be market. Something that got a little interesting that I think ties into the Lakers somehow is that John Wall's out for the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that Bradley Beal trade becomes a little more enticing at that point. That's the tough part. So I was really looking forward to getting into this conversation with you because that threw a whole new wrinkle into the potential trade deadline movement that we're going to see in the NBA come February 7th at 3 p.m. So we're looking at a Washington Wizards team that for some reason went out and bought a Trevor Ariza. Hasn't helped them at all. They suck. John Wall now is going to undergo surgery to cost him the rest of the season. Fair move for his point. He's going to get paid a tremendous amount of money. The team's no good. Why are you going to battle through that injury? There's no reason to. He's out. So now you have Bradley Beal. The Lakers become a natural idea, uh, for lack of a better word, um, of, a, of a potential move, right? Now, if I'm the Lakers... And I, I know I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and you guys referenced it on the pod on Friday. I have no idea why the Lakers would do that because I don't think Bradley Beal makes them better than the the Warriors, and I don't think he makes them you know an instant Finals contender. I think he improves them for sure. He gives LeBron another wing and another shooter, a prolific shooter at that, and another ball handler to take care of to take care of action. However, you got to do all you can, and you got to hope. And basically take your stock in the fact that at some point, whether it's at the deadline this year, in the summer, or the deadline next year, that the Pelicans will finally acquiesce and trade Anthony Davis. And you want to have all of your assets available to do that. We both acknowledge when LeBron James made the move to go to the Lakers this summer, this was not a win-now team. But he's trying to do everything he can to to build them into that team. We don't know what they're going to do in free agency, but I think it's in their best interest to preserve all their assets and and use it to get a top five player in the NBA and Anthony Davis, whether it's now, in six months, or in 12 months. Well, here's my thing with the Anthony Davis trade, and he seems like a nice guy, but I'm going to reference something else. Kyrie Irving seemed like a nice guy too, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Kyrie Irving wasn't a free agent. But Kyrie Irving went to the Celtics on, let's just say, a massive discount. I think the Lakers might also be saying, I mean, they, they tamper all the time. And no one's really mentioned this, but what happens if LeBron and Anthony Davis somehow talk through uh, a cup with a string attached to it <laughs> and, and there's nothing leading back to it from a string from L.A. to to Maybe New a burner Orleans. account, burner phone, something yeah, like that. something yeah. like that. Maybe a boost mobile phone or something. And he Ooh, says, listen, back. I want to be the Lakers. I'm going to demand a trade. Or one of those Nextel walkie-talkies. Maybe <laughs> one of those two. However they communicate. Carrier pigeon, I don't care. Anthony Davis says, all right, me and my agent are going to release something. We're, we're going to force a trade, right? If you don't remember, there was a few suitors, including the Knicks, for Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving found out that the Boston Celtics were sniffing around, and he said, I'm going to the Celtics, or I'm not signing an extension with anybody. If Anthony Davis does that, he's going to be a lot cheaper, and the Lakers can go out and get a guy like Bradley Beal. Because then you only have to probably trade a Brandon Ingram and a protected first-round pick, which would still be more than what the what the Cleveland Cavaliers got for Kyrie Irving. But, but still, nonetheless, it would be a lot cheaper than the Pelicans getting basically the entire Lakers franchise aside from LeBron and Kyle Kuzma. That's my other thinking, is that Anthony Davis is going to force his way out of town and force his way to the Lakers. Yeah, I I think that's an interesting take because he's given no sign or signal to do that, but nor did Kyrie Irving when he played with LeBron and just won a title in Cleveland. Um, I think the biggest question, though, is how long are you willing to wait? If you're the Lakers, because LeBron just how turned long 34 are you today. To wait Happy if birthday, you're LeBron! LeBron, Happy birthday to LeBron! And how long are you? And Tiger Woods, I believe, is his birthday today as wow, well. Wow, what a day! Huge day. Um, love Tiger. Love. It. I, I'm a big. You Tiger love cheaters. Guy. He wasn't. A, well, I guess in some <laughs> sense he was a cheater. Um, <laughs> you got me on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's more. It's not the Lakers because they're a predominantly really young team. I think it's how antsy does LeBron get? Because you saw this with the Cavs when he went back. I mean, the the Heat it was already ready made. He, the course. guys went with him, but when he went back to the Cavs, 
He was antsy the second the, the plane fucking landed. Yep. Kevin Love got dealt for a- Andrew Wiggins, and, and they started plucking guys like Kyle Korver, so on and so forth. So LeBron so far has bit his tongue, held back aside from the Tyson Chandler thing, which costs him nothing, and he's played really well for them. We'll see how long how long LeBron continues to bite his tongue, but I also think that the thing in the back of my mind is these guys talk, and if AD says I'm going to the Lakers or nothing to the Pelicans, or I'm not, I'm threatening to not resign and go to the Lakers in a year, right? Then you get AD at a discount, and you get a guy like Bradley Beal or Dame Lillard, and I think a team of Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Dame Lillard slash Bradley Beal can compete and beat the Warriors. I think so too, especially because I think both of both of us are in agreement that Durant's gone after this year, and oh. and the way that it's currently looking, maybe Clay too. Um, yep, I had referenced that last time. Yeah, I think guys... Clay Clay might be a Brooklyn Net, and I didn't want you to have a relapse. I didn't want to do it to you, but. I think he might yeah, you be guys a Brooklyn mentioned that. You you guys had a real a lot of fun at a relapse joke, and we got to remember there's some people that actually go through that. That's some bad news. You know, they might listen to this pod too. That might You're be right. their release. And listen for people that are actually in rehab. I know how tough that disease can be. Do you? And I completely respect. Well, it's happened around my yeah, life to other yeah, people, not course. me. Right. But if we're talking, serious I think we should ease here. up off that just a tiny bit. I don't think Sean deal. likes his name getting dragged through the mud. <laughs> I think that's what it is. And he's using you guys as a mask. I don't, I don't mind a joke at all, but after like five times, it's like, we have to remember there's people actually fighting a disease, not a, not a, not an engine breaking down with their it car. It was all in jest um, to those people. Of course Shauna. it was. Um, but either way, that's neither here nor there. I really enjoyed your guys' conversation about it because I think it's really important. And honestly, man, as we, as we get to the trade deadline in a month and a half, there's going to be a lot of answers that that figured themselves out, and we got to imagine teams like the Warriors or the uh, Wizards. I don't think are the Warriors do, are going to do anything. No, nah, they might add something somewhat, but well, they might buy somebody out. Piece. But I their mean, biggest already... piece is going to be is going to be Demarcus Cousins. But of course, but we're yeah. going to see what the Wizards do if they decide to use Ariza, if they decide to use Beal. I think Otto Porter is essentially you know untradeable. Obviously, Wall is now that he's going to be out for the year. He was already he, untradeable right. before this, and now it's just well, that's now, the nail in the As coffin. a Knicks fan, I think now you have to be like, thank fucking God. Well, if there was one team that was going to do it, and there was a few bleacher reports about that as well. You said you were going to kill God. yourself. So now we're, I get to, we, get to, we get to do this now for Without a while. Will, yeah. yeah you it, don't need it, Will as your co-host. Yeah, we don't need He's Will. He's not nearly it, as funny as me. That's true. You're hilarious. Um, but anyway, the NBA... It's a storyline. It's a soap opera. It doesn't matter whether it's November, December, but post Christmas, that's kind of like that first, you know, benchmark in the NBA season. Kind of like how Memorial Day is for baseball. Yeah, and you're looking at those standings and saying, all right, these guys are going to be buyers and these guys are going to be sellers, and the Wizards are sellers and the Pelicans should be sellers. But I just don't see it happening. Cool this year. thing about the NBA this year, though, is that there's more parity than we've seen in yep, years. Absolutely. Um, and you guys touched upon this on the pod on Friday. Um, you know. We believe that the Warriors are going to be just fine. We believe that, you know, the Raptors are by far the best team in the East. The Bucks are right on their heels. Um, the Pacers are right up there. But, dude, there's a lot of teams that we would never think that are in contention. We've got the Brooklyn Nets. They're 17-21. and 21, and Orlando Magic. we got the Orlando Magic, who you predicted. Good job by you. I, I really didn't see it. I think they got to sell high on Vucevic, though. Yeah. Because you know it's what? Gonna spread it they're out. Gonna, they're not going to sign him long term, and now is the best time. I think a team like the Lakers could really use him, and and, and have a guy down in in the middle, down low, to really him for ex- a protective pick. I could see it happening right now. Yeah, that that would be a really good move for them. Um, but any anyway, you know, there's a lot of parity in the league. The league is a lot of fun. Um, you know, you got Kurox, who's a second round pick for the Nets, just balling out. Yep. Um, we've seen the Knicks, you know, they're losing, but they're, they got a lot of excitement around that team. You got the Sixers and their drama. You got the Celtics starting to play crazy. You got James Harden going every, doing everything he can to get his second straight MVP, as you guys referenced on Friday, uh, and especially in the absence of Chris Paul. Sixers are right there. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in the league. A lot of parody teams like the Kings are involved. We'll see what ends up happening the next Donchich couple. Doncic mania is still alive, but the Mavericks as a team have cooled off. Yep, the Clippers are still. I think they're like twenty and 14. fifteen right now. Um, they're still playing real well. They only have a, like two or three guaranteed deals through next year, which is stupid. So they're going to open up the pocketbook. Steve Ballmer has an endless amount of money. So there's a lot to look forward to. And as we continue to do our Monday pods, we're going to see a Jeez, lot going Sean. on. Um, You're getting a little excited. <laughs> I did. Um, 
we're going to see a lot going on uh, in the landscape of the league coming up. So next thing, as conference play starts in college basketball. Already started last night, unfortunately, the, the play, for the Johnnies. Yeah, the, the real college sport that you love. Tell me what you're looking forward to in conference play. Unfortunately for your Johnnies, they lost to Seton Hall the other night. I, I Listen, I want to talk about that game. Go you can't it. be up 9, 8, 12, 13 points throughout the entire game. And then I fall asleep on the couch. I'm a working man. And I wake up and I watch a Bleacher Report of Seton Hall hitting a buzzer beater on a bullshit call by the ref, but you guys shouldn't have been <laughs> in that position in the first place because you're up 10 fucking points the entire game. Uh, what are you guys doing? Start going to the basket. I understand it's an undersized team, and it's a three-point shooting team, and they've got a lot of guys that can knock down the three. But, Pons, come on, go to the basket. You're killing me. And the fact that you let this team, this sorry-ass team, who I know beat Kentucky, and I know they beat Maryland, but you're up 10 on these guys and you let them come back in the game, unbelievable, and that should have been a, probably a six-point win. Disgusting, terrible way to start off Big East Conference play. That was their and first loss this year, right? First loss this yeah. year, they were 12 and 0 before that. Although the best team they played was probably VCU, and Who I cares? think they already 12 have 0 yeah 12 and 0 is 12 and 0. But it's going to be really, really upsetting when I'm on the podcast with you come March, and we're talking about how St. John's out of 64 teams was number 65, and they just <laughs> missed the bubble because they didn't have a good enough um, Big East. Performance. Well, fortunately for you, they're 68. So hopefully they get one of those play-in games. I'll take that. Honestly. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm starving. And, and Mullen, he's the greatest St. John's player, one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. You have your doubts as a coach. Yeah, I'm going over to Greece. i got to talk to Patino. I need a cheater in there. I can't believe... <laughs> I can't believe you went over to Greece. That was something we didn't No, talk I haven't about. gone yet, but I'm buying my fucking ticket if I see another pathetic performance like that. That was a bad loss, um, although the Big East is going to have a lot of competition because clearly Villanova isn't great. Now, at least you got to see a game that was competitive because the last time UConn played, UConn was tied with Villanova at the half and ended up losing by like 25 points. So to clearly well, show... Well, you got to give, uh, what's his name, a little bit of time. Hurley. Hurley, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, he, do, he doesn't three, have Three, four years to get his guys he, in there. He doesn't have his group yet, but that was still a, a pathetic performance, and, and that shows that UConn is... If they make the tournament, they're going to be one of the last teams in. They're still they're not very good. They're just going to have to they're be still the benef- holding out hope for the tournament. They're going to huh? have to be the beneficiary of playing in a really bad American because a lot of the other teams like Wichita State's down, Memphis is down, Cincinnati's real good. Other than that, I don't know who else is talking that good. about UConn. You think there's one room for one more team in the ACC for them to sneak in there? They're not going to because their football sucks too much. They need to figure that out because they're too good of a school and too big of a program to be playing in this stupid conference. The ACC doesn't want them. Uh, basketball doesn't make but nearly. But the Big Ten, no, because see the problem is is that the Big Ten doesn't ma- or the that college basketball doesn't make nearly as much as college football does. And even though Rutgers has just been the laughing stock of the Big Ten. Rutgers did have a time where they were number two in the country in college football, like back when Matt Ryan was playing. I remember they like upset the number two or three team in the country. Matt Ryan was at BC away. though. Bro. I know. What I was saying is they that when they when Matt Ryan was playing at BC, I remember they had a couple big time wins, and the Big Ten was like, all right, we'll take them. They've been horrible in basketball and football, but football still they draw a lot more than UConn football does. Regardless, I don't think they're getting. Maybe they'll in. come back to the Big East. I don't think they're getting in. Well, they can't because they're not a Catholic school. The Big East is right now all Catholic schools. Yeah, you're right that about don't, that. That don't have FBS um, football. None of those teams play in a, in a conference where you're getting national exposure and can play, you know, a, U, uh, a UCF. UConn plays UCF every year in college football. So um, they're kind of in that in-between they're point. They're stuck in the American, huh? Yeah, they're definitely stuck in the American. They're, they're right there with Memphis who, again, like— Are the girls in that conference too? Yeah. Yep. Well, it doesn't matter for them. No, they're they're fantastic. I mean, really, Notre Dame, who also actually plays in that conference in women's basketball, they're they're the only two teams right there that are relevant. Um, but regardless, uh, you know, UConn's not quite there yet. But we've talked about our own teams. Duke's back to number one. What are you looking for come conference play, man? We're we're about that point. When we did our preview well, back Thanksgiving, we we weren't there over, yet. If you go over the conferences, I don't really care about the Big Twelve. That's Kansas. All day. Yep. Two Has conferences, like two conferences that are going to really interest me outside of the Big East are the SEC mm-hmm. and the ACC. There's a lot of really, really talented teams in the SEC and the ACC, and I think they're going to beat up on each other. I think Duke is going to come out on top, and I think, honestly, Tennessee is going to come out on top. You guys had a good conversation on Tennessee on Friday. Uh, Will, Will mentioned, I mean, they play defense and to a level that not a lot of teams do. 
not in this, of, not in this era of basketball, man. And again, Will said, you know what? They can score fifty and still beat you by ten. Yeah, that's how sure they're playing can. defense. And that's and you know what? They're kind of taking a page out of that uh, Virginia playbook because that's how Virginia's won a lot. Well, over Virginia the last just few years. suffocates you, but uh, Tennessee's just got much better athletes. Mm-hmm. The athletes that they have, they don't even have to play that pre- that press that Virginia does. They can come back. They can sag back on you on defense. But when you get in the paint, you're not getting a layup. No, period, not a chance on, on on Tennessee. Nope, and that's what makes them so good because then you're grabbing a ball off the rim. That's basically a, an outlet pass to the fast break. One big loss that I was looking forward to seeing as a, as another you know possible uh, possible you know really good team in in the SEC is Garland being out for Vanderbilt. I thought that he was going to you know help propel them to a top team and and watch for him if he comes back and kind of does. Um, what Porter did for Missouri last year, which is come back real late, play a couple games, and at least put himself on the map. He's going to be a guy come like draft, you know, draft lottery time that you might take a chance yeah. on. Yeah, I see. I see Vanderbilt being one of those teams, not as good, but last year, if you don't remember, they had um, last year Notre Dame was ranked really highly at the beginning of the year. That's right. And Matt Farrell, huge and the, and the big power forward, and his name deceives me, but I see his face. Both got hurt, and they ended up actually going to the NIT. That's how bad they were. Yep. So I could see Vanderbilt being a team playing Especially in the NIT with how good due to the an injury SEC loss. Is. Yeah, no, I that's Vanderbilt was a really good team projected at the beginning of the year, but when you lose a guy like that, it's going to be really tough to come back, especially for an extended period of time. And college basketball has a lot of talent across the board. I mean, everybody in the Big East looks pretty good this year, even DePaul, we even were, some of the down teams. We were talking about it a couple weeks ago, like – on the outside, I think it was after Thanksgiving, as to how good some of the tournaments were, the preseason tournaments. Yeah. It's already been a great year. Keep an eye out for Butler. There's a kid out of White Plains who transferred from Duke last year. His name is Jordan Tucker. Kid can shoot out of the gym. Cool. Um, and, and he just started playing in the second semester, so he's averaging about 13 a game. He's going to get that up to 18 and 20 real quick. He's just got to play himself into shape. And Butler's always a good and team. Butler's always a really good defensive team. You cannot beat them at home, and, and it's just interesting to see that kid who transferred from Duke. And I, I think he's going to be. He was a top. I think he was a top 30 recruit last year from from around here. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe he can rise up some draft boards as well. But that's just another team to look out for. Good call by you. That so everybody listening, that that's somebody to look for in the Big East. Um I've really enjoyed college basketball so far this year. Conference play should just be an extension great, of what we've already great seen. Great games and a lot of a lot of upsets before uh, conference play even began. I mean, you got Gonzaga losing, not that it was really an upset cuz um, they lost to a really good team, but you have, I mean, Villanova fell off the map completely, and they'll find their way back. But I was a just lot of say, they'll find their way no, back. North Carolina lost to Michigan, so you, uh, at home Michigan's as well, now nonetheless. Two. So, well, when you're undefeated, I guess you know, you especially can with a couple of those signature, yeah. they have they have like two signature wins already. Yeah, and that's a really good team. They're playing defense a lot better than I've ever seen a Michigan run team play before. So, listen, it's early in the year, but they this lost Mo Wagner, and they haven't skipped a beat. No, not at all. Matter of fact, you can make a case that they've gotten better. Yeah. Yeah, I think this team's just more talented top to bottom and more full. But, listen, it's been a lot of fun to watch early on in the year, and I'm excited for college football to be my one day of college football to come and go, and I can just focus on college basketball. You've given it, I won't say your heart and soul, but you've given effort, and I appreciate that, and as does everybody because – College football is one of the main sports, whether you like it or not. Hey, I knew enough about it to keep up with you talking about it, who watches it every weekend, and that's enough for me. Sports hey, Center was enough for me. There you go, man. Sports Center is enough for Tom. That I would like that as a quote. Um, on Wednesday, we're going to do a really good, comprehensive NFL pod. Be prepared for a long one. because that's going to have... be after the new year, and hopefully we will have some baseball talk. Well, that's, Maybe Manny Machado. I, so you saw the report. Of course I saw Good. the report. So do we want to talk about that right now or do we want to save uh, sure, it? Sure, we can We can go for it. It says Manny Machado's basically picked the Yankees. Yep. So, Period. Yep. And Harper, Harper's in there too. Harper wants to be a Yankee. Um. So neither of them wants to play in Philly. Give him a four-year deal for, uh, you name a number. Fuck it. It's so Put weird. Put him at first base. It's so weird, man, that it seems like they have no interest. Unless Cashman is just being cash god and, and just baiting everybody. I'd still like to see them sign a reliever. They haven't done it yet. Whether so do that too. Whether it's Robertson or Britton, they got to sign somebody. I'm waiting. And question for you. We see the NBA free agency, right? How excited we are for it. Like we did our, when we were in our pod, we were doing, I think we were at 20 episodes in or so come NBA free agency. And 
things got started, and like within like a week, you have all the big names signed, established. It's like deals. hockey, almost at this yeah, point. Yeah, hockey's the same way. I want baseball to have some kind of rule where, especially now that you have a, a more analytic-driven GM pool who are not going to just throw stupid money and deals at guys, it's going to be well thought out. The winter meetings are supposed to be baseball's kind of off-season biggest driving point. And we, it, it's been kind of weeks out. It, it's been limp dick the last couple of years. Like nothing really that big has happened with the exception of trades. But there's been big time free agents that have signed really, really late the last few years. And something's got to be done about that. Don't you agree? Uh, oh yeah. I'm in complete agreement with you. I think, I think honestly, it's good for the Yankees this year that these guys didn't have a quick signing period just because I think they can play it out and squeeze every last penny that they want out of them. But it's bad for the sport. Period, I think so too. And growing the sport because, I mean, when NBA free agency happens, it's like they have a frenzy on ESPN mm-hmm. and ESPN two where it's like a twenty four hour thing, and this guy signs here and that guy signs there, and, and hockey not to the same extent because it's not as popular, but hockey's like a two day thing. Yeah, hockey, it's like you you the thing just never stops ringing. Like every second, you see who signed here, who signed there, big names, and baseball, it's like. It seemed like it was the same thing last year where you were waiting for the big no- names to sign at the end. I mean, Jake Arrieta didn't sign till mid-March. I, I mean, you have guys that are signing good players who are signing way late into spring Mustakis training. Mustakis didn't even know what he was going to do. Right. And, I, I mean, I mean, you're, that's a good point, too. There's a lot of established players. You don't need to have the top-tier names, but there's a lot of really good players that don't have jobs, and it's because MLB— so either the, the agents have to become a lot more— responsible and intelligent about what the market's going to dictate. Players have to start doing what some of the NBA players do. I know it's different sports. Obviously, NBA, you're not signing 10-year deals, but you got to do what like Durant does, which is sign like two-year deals in your prime with opt-outs. I think that if if this report is true about Manny Machado picking the Yankees out of the three teams, White Sox, Phillies, Yankees, and, and signing to whatever deal, I'm, I can't wait to see what kind of deal it is. If that kind, of, if he signs a five or seven year deal with like an opt out or two at twenty six, being the arguably one of the top players, well not arguably one of the best players in baseball, that's gonna be a watershed moment when we look at MLB free agency in three, four, five years. Yeah, he's because that set doesn't a happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the age of guaranteed contracts, you don't see that in baseball. They're just grabbing their money. Right now, once this deal becomes official, if the reports are true, we'll dive totally into what it means for the Yankees, Machado, and all things baseball. As of right now, I think it's important to talk about the market because we love baseball. We, we love everything about it, but they've got to do something because the winter meetings is really their biggest off-season well, story. They, what they should do is base it. They should have a window and they should base it around the winter meetings to where ESPN's report, and it's not just MLB Network at the meetings. ESPN should be there and everybody else. Sorry, sports should be there. Everybody uh, should we'll, be there we'll, reporting. We'll have a press pass in a few years. Man. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there, but... Yeah. And if they did that, I think it would just make it a much more interesting sport in general for the off season. It I was cooks just going to say up. that's the biggest thing because if you if you're trying to grow your sport like you said, and and develop some the kind NBA of is massive a 12 year sport at this point, twelve month, 12, 12 year, twelve month, whatever. <laughs> God damn, I'm tired. Um, and, and the MLB's not. Nobody's talking MLB except for people like us right now. Yeah, and that's the thing is is. Unless until these reports are are validated and and a contract is signed by Manny Machado, this is all still we're still being skeptical and we're just hearing through the tea leaves and like we want real news. We're tired of just these rumors. I mean, Done with the fake news. JT Real Muto. There you go. JT Real Muto's had like been like, oh, he's close to being dealt to like four teams. Yeah. Tell me once he's on a team. The biggest report in the winter shouldn't be, uh, or of the last week, shouldn't be that the Mets offered a four-year deal to Yasmani Grandal. Grandal, yeah. Who turned it down, shockingly. And I think they got the better player out of the deal say, with I Ramos. Think, I think getting Ramos for two was a lot better than getting Grandal for four, but... That shouldn't be the best that, that you should, can offer, period. No, and, and you know what the thing, too, is if you really want to grow your sport, you've got to use this time frame because come the winter meetings... You have week 12, 13, 14 of the, N- of the NFL. You've got college football wrapping up their conference championships, heading into their bowls. you got college basketball doing their tournaments before NBA. conference play. And then you've got the NBA in full force and the NHL. This is your opportunity to really steal headlines from those four sports, and you're not doing it. So, what do you, you know, come on, let's go. Like, really, 
really do a better job at promoting the offseason of your sport, just like the NBA has. I mean, when we were growing up, man, the NBA free agency was not nearly to this extent. It was big, but it wasn't like this. And it's not even counting social media. I'm just saying, like, we didn't wait till July 1st at midnight to hear who was signing. It was like, all right, the NBA season's over, and we're going to find out who signed where. Now, with the NBA, it's like, oh, my God, the season's over. Thank God, two weeks, draft. Okay, after that, a week. You got free agency. They've done it like the NFL. And then, yeah, and now you've got the trades. And it's like the only bad period for the NBA, and I, I can't say bad, it's just off season. The only like low period for the NBA is probably August into like mid or late September before now, you know, training camps open and preseason starts. Baseball, now you're looking at doldrums from freaking, you know, the end of the World Series basically until spring training starts and game start which is late february you got to have something more action than that if you're going to promote these winter meetings you got to have some kind of deadline guys got to sign guys got to pick teams teams have to really covet players and if you're going to understand these analytic teams then agents have to be a lot more understanding of what the landscape is now because you're not going to give 10 years well with manfred hopefully they figure that out they've done a little bit more to grow the game so Hopefully within the next few years they can figure out a nice little window that they have like the NHL. So I'm hoping so, man. But anyway, maybe next Monday we, we have a uh, we have a rundown starting with Manny Machado signing with the Yankees. That'd be nice. Or maybe an emergency pod. I don't know. Ooh. I think would would that would that justify an emergency pod? It'll justify me changing my pants. All right. So, everybody so that's knows an emergency that. pod, if that's you an ask emergency me. Pod. Just make sure you change your pants first. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. NFL coming to you guys Wednesday. I hope well, everybody has year. a happy new year. Enjoy your New Year's and Eve. And the playoff be safe, picture is be almost figured out. And have fun. Tom and I will not be safe or responsible. No, I'm just kidding. We'll be fine. We'll um, be fine. Look forward to the NFL, guys. Uh, have a happy new year. We'll see you in 2019. And last thing, sorry for not having the opening beat last time. Uh, technical difficulties, but I will figure it out. Have a good one. I hope you enjoy the pod.